Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. I'm a fan of classic movies. They say, human see, human do. The dear departed once said to me, I never met an ape I didn't like. Look, it's a man! In heaven's name, get rid of that creature! Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! He can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk. I can sing. Ooh, help me, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. If man was superior, why didn't he survive? You did it. Cut up his brain, you bloody baboon! What I know of man was written long ago. Set down by the greatest ape of all, our lawgiver. <laughs> you maniacs! You blew it up! Damn you! God damn you all to hell! 20th Century Fox wants you to go ape. Hello and welcome to Overlapping Dialogue, a podcast of audio commentaries dedicated to discussing cinema that fascinates us in a way we hope fascinates you. We're your co-hosts, Kyle and Levi Huffman. I'm Kyle. And I'm Levi. And here we are for our 23rd entry uh, of the podcast. But with our third entry into our Planet of the Apes series we're doing, where we're hitting every single movie in the uh, multi-decade franchise, and with our third one, uh, and these last three, I think, you know, this series just finds ways to get stranger and stranger, yeah. especially yeah. in this first five, really. But yeah. this last three are really kind of a part of a little mini-trilogy of sorts, I yeah. guess, too, because they're much more confined. And I think it's towards the end of this one where the seeds are very clearly starting to be planted for actual sequels right. and you yeah. the first two were very 
definitive about nope uh, very clear right. cut endings but they still found ways to make sequels yeah. but with this one they found ways of course to yeah and along. before we jump too far ahead i think also though that each of the endings of these movies even this one leave it at a sense of where it could easily not be another sequel though too because it could just simply be left at caesar being alive and you can just basically imagine everything that happened after that sure but then we get two more movies of i guess what happening. i mean is that but no no but yes right no you're and... you're right but i'm just saying but it also interestingly doesn't directly necessitate a sure. sequel either so it, it's it, it's kind of at that middle ground like what matt well we talk about Mad Men on here quite a bit but like what matthew weiner wanted to do which each season of Mad Men, where it was kind of like okay well if it gets canceled uh we can have a sort somewhat of an end, but anyway, yeah. we, we so, don't have time to talk about Mad Men on this podcast today, so sorry. maybe another time. Yeah. Uh, Escape <clears throat> from the Planet of the Apes from 1971. Before we dive into the movie, Levi, why don't you run through sure. some of the just the kind of a brief synopsis and yeah. who all's involved in this? So, Escape from the Planet of the Apes is a 1971 American science fiction film directed by Don Taylor, written by Paul Dean. Um, we talked we, about yes, Dean last but, week. Yeah, he, he he's uh, kind of the, the, the guy. We can talk about the production in a little bit, but something I want to say about that. But Don Taylor, um, let's see the things he did. So he um, was actually an actor as well, it turns out. So some of the movies he acted in um, were The Naked City, okay, uh, the Jules Dasson film. I think we talked about that some last week, actually, too. Yeah. Battleground, uh, that's an action movie. Um, Father of the Bride, Father's Little Dividend. Is that a sequel wow. to Father of the Bride? Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, yes, Mr. Tracy Jones. Yeah, and then Stalag Seventeen, which we've always wanted to see quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and then as far as his directorial efforts, Escape from Planet of the Apes, Tom Sawyer, uh, I guess a musical adaptation of Tom Sawyer, and Damien, the Omen Two. So it's a sequel to the Omen. Let me see if there's any other ones here. We'll see about movies he directed. Yeah. Um. Everything's Ducky. That was his first movie, <laughs> 1961. Ride the Wild Surf, 64. Jack of Diamonds, 67. Um, the Five Man Army, 69. Not re- Oh, he did a version of The Island of Dr. Moreau in 1977 I didn't know existed. Okay. That's interesting. I like to see that. Um, but just before that, The Great Scout and Cat House Thursday, Gotta 1976. Lee Marvin. Um, Lee Marvin, Oliver Reed. Mm-hmm. Sylvia Miles, Kay Lenz. Oh, yeah. You know it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he didn't actually direct as many movies. As far as other movies he acted in, let's see if there's any there. 1951, he was in one, two, three, four, five movies. Submarine Command. Well, he's in two versions of Submarine Command. Did that make two or of those? I if that's just a... Somebody just screwed that up, yeah. I think. Okay. So he was in Father's Little Dividend and Flying Leathernecks, Blue Veil. Um, we're not, don't worry, we're not going to spend a lot of time on him. Although we we this probably won't be as long of an introduction today, so we can spend a little bit more time. Man of Sherwood Forest, yeah. So not a big name. I feel like somebody. Um, no offense to him, who just was very much a part of the background of yeah the complexion of Hollywood, I'm, and then just was I'm assuming that figure. probably one of his larger roles, depending on who he was in this, I would think. Yeah, would have been in Stalag 17 because I know that's kind of about William a few yeah. men specifically. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably one of his bigger roles. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I don't remember him in The Naked City, and I haven't seen him in these other movies. Um, 
but it does say co-starred, so yeah. I guess he was sort of a star. So he did get a, a trailer title card, uh, a title card in the trailer of Father's Little Dividend yeah. that shows here. So there you go. Anyway, so yeah, he. So I, was, I really miss an era where, which I wasn't even alive for, so glad yeah. I miss it. But uh, where you could just get movies with titles like Father's Little Dividend. You know, I mean, it's uh, a third finger left hand situation. My darling chickadee. That's what I we're mean, dealing with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bride came cod. Yeah. You know, that's all that type of thing. You know, uh, squeal, pinko squeal, which wasn't real, of yeah. course, but it could, easily could have been. Yes, of course. Uh, Go listen to our Inherent Vice podcast. We'll probably talk about that at some point. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Arthur P. Jacobs producing once again, uh, and Paul Dean writing. One thing I'll say here, I'll go ahead and talk about it before we move on. <laughs> so, of course they wanted to, so they had, you know, can't they basically canceled the franchise. They were like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Um, because of what happened. But it made $19 million beneath. Yeah. So... In earnings against four point six million dollar budget, yeah, right. that's quite a bit of money. No, that's a know. good, yeah, that's a good return. So as a result of that, screenwriter Paul Dean was famously sent a terse telegram that simply said, "And I quote: Apes exi- apes exist. Sequel required." <laughs> um, God, this is gonna do this again. Computer always making noise. Um, but anyway, so. I, I don't know if that's Arthur P. Jacobs who sent him that. Probably, because I know that Daryl Zanuck, or no, rather Richard Zanuck, was not, Richard was the son, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That Richard Zanuck kind of out, or Dick Zanuck, as I'm sure he was known by his friends, was kind of out of the whole thing, didn't want anything to do with it anymore. He kind of moved on, I think. But, uh, that it was, so it was probably Jacobs or somebody else that wrote him that. Imagine being but, in a position, though, as a producer where you can walk away from something like this and then Jaws is a few years oh, around yeah. the corner where you're going to be associated right. with that. You know, yeah. it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Dick Zanuck's done a lot of pretty big things randomly. But, um, but anyway, so, therefore, they were like, all right, we've got to make a sequel to this movie. So, Paul Dean, actually, I and it says this in that, uh, Den of Geek, which, by the way, Den of Geek has been pretty uh, invaluable um, in their uh, write-ups of these movies that I think so that we've read. Um, mm-hmm. This about, one's called... Uh, uh, this one's called Why Escape from Planet of the Apes Was Ahead of Its Time, which I'd say it mostly was. Um, written, most of these are written by Don Kay, I think, for Den of Geek, but they're really good. Um, and they actually provided way more in- production information than even the Wikipedia. Does. Yeah. So I, I don't really know where he, he gets all that from. But anyway, so they wanted to make another one. Um, but so its plot centers on many social issues of the day, including scientific experiments. Oh, I guess I guess it's not really going to explain it, but here, but uh, scientific experimentation on animals and could war government intrusion. Basically, the movie is about at the end of. Uh, the, fir- the first the uh, first sequel beneath yeah. Planet of the Apes the world exploded as you remember memorably yeah. so meanwhile you remember I said like, at the end of last podcast that uh, you know not the Roddy McDowell but the basically Roddy McDowell stand in and Kim Hunter weren't really in the rest of the movie the last half of the movie and you're like okay and you kind of forget about them totally yeah. so, whatever. but so during all that time they were I guess they literally were in the movie and then they immediately dropped what they were doing and said we need to repair the spaceship that crashed <laughs> and they repaired the spaceship that crashed along with another eight that we'll be talking about here in a minute um, and decided they were going to leave Earth I, I guess it's that they let's see what it says here 
Yeah, it says, during the events of the preceding film occurring off-screen, um, they escape Earth through its destruction when they accompanied their fellow chimpanzee, Dr. Milo, in salvaging and repairing a spaceship originally used by Taylor. So it's not even the one that crashed... Um, in the uh, Beneath the right. beginning. Yeah, so I guess they went and found the one that was underwater... I guess. I, anyway, whatever. I'm going to imagine they used the one that crashed at the beginning of Beneath. I don't know why. that. Yeah. This is something that somebody on Wikipedia says. Maybe they'll explain this in the movie. I don't remember. Anyway, so while they're leaving, I don't know where they plan to go, um, the shockwave of Earth's destruction sends the ship through a time warp that brings the apes back to 1973 Earth. Very convenient. Of yeah. course, now this came out in 71, so it was two years. It's too bad. Like they, Imagine if they could have been... I mean. It very conveniently put it in 73 because that's when they're you know, early 70s is when right. they're making these movies what if they like send them back to like the civil war you know yeah now that like, would have been uh, interesting or like uh the revolutionary war or even like, like uh, old salem and they literally would have thought it was witchcraft like ancient greece i mean yeah. you pick it could have been mean, something yeah but anyway uh yeah that, convenient that, yeah so there's a lot of convenience i think in the beginning of this movie but i think ultimately what it becomes about is them becoming these strange celebrities that are actually relatively accepted by humankind something i find relatively yeah. unrealistic um but whatever um also though by the token of i think i, I agree that's mostly obviously unrealistic yeah. but i mean there's so many like spiritual gurus slash self-help people yeah, yeah. slash new age stuff going on in the early 70s no i think it like, reflects oh that. by the way yeah. Right. There's just some talking apes walking around. Yeah. Like, we'll listen to what they well, have to also, say. Well, also, and I think that it, like you said, it's reflective of those types of people who are unqualified shamans, nut jobs, yeah, frankly. I mean, like, and nothing, nothing against, like, you know, uh, New Age self-help stuff. A lot of that stuff I think is actually valid, but, like, you know, some of that stuff just junk. But anyway. Um, but a lot of those but, people but, accumulate yeah, a celebrity right. and hold a personality. Yeah, that's that, what I'm saying. Like, I think that I think that it. reflects that. And like I said, I think that also is reflective of the racial themes I kind of talked about last week of um, the way that a lot of uh, the black intelligentsia at this time was treated as like, oh, you know, the for lack of a better term, they would say, oh, there's some of the good ones. Right. Or, oh, there's some of the, oh, they're the smart ones. And it's like, no, I'd say they're as smart as anybody else. Right. I mean, you know, and... But I, like I said, I think that's one of the biggest themes of the movie is particularly the way it treats the apes like, oh, well, like, you know, the way Malcolm X was treated a lot of the time when he went on radio and TV and people were like, oh, you know, this uh, this uh, black Muslim nationalist is really, is really a smart guy. It's like, yeah, who would have thunk it, you know? I mean, but, you know, that was the thing of the time. Very patronizing. So, yeah, very patronizing uh, ideas that... Um, have they really fallen by the wayside? Probably not near as much as they should have, but... Um, so I think that's one of the big things about the movie. But ultimately what happens in the end is that people start realizing, oh, this is what actually happened with Earth in the future and that the apes are going to take over. And they know that Zira is pregnant with a baby. And people in the government decide, well, why don't we just take the baby out now ahead of time uh, so that we'll avert that kind of for a big influence on term on the Terminator. I'm sure whether or not James Cameron. Well, that's it's kind not, of but, similarly. Right. It's like a self fulfilling prophecy right. in terms of like these people are fearful of these apes from the future, which we wouldn't be frankly, right. you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. But are saying are talking about the what happened to humanity, and so they're like, oh well, to prevent that, let's kill off these apes, but only further 
adding to what Caesar's grievances are going to be and to not actually averting lead. their own human problems right. that they should be. And so it's yeah, a self-fulfilling they, prophecy right. similar to the Terminator, like with Terminator 2, where they're obviously they're taking the arm that was recovered from the first Terminator and using that technology to develop what like Cyberdyne and uh, you know the right. Skynet is going to be. It's that cycle you know? of continuous repetition because that's what's interesting about this is that that what's so weird is that that um cornelius and zira are their own ancestors right like it's yeah. really weird yeah. how that works out obviously but yeah that um and it's also yeah. isn't it ironic too that the people who cut humanity the most slack and the were the most progressive ended up creating a symbol that became uh the product and the subject of such idolatry yeah. and zealotry right. you know what i mean it's kind of ironic yeah, you know that, right. that they were because they, you know, were really defending Taylor and trying to stick up for humanity, and then they ended up creating, inadvertently, just by the virtue of their existence, the whole social order that would oppose such a right. existence. You know what I mean? Um, Very interesting. And like we, and then the other thing we basically were just saying is that the humans didn't, humanity didn't listen to their warning and change their own problems and issues right. that ultimately caused the downfall of humanity was not. It was both their decision to um, want to kill the apes off, but also their own problems of uh, war and and nuclear annihilation that would ultimately sort of also cause it. Um, So, yeah. I mean, it it really is... Well, I was just going to say, it really is a fascinating job on uh, Paul Dan's part that he was able to come up with all that because it it seemed impossible but and I don't know. want to take any credit away from Dean in fact I think I'm actually patting him on the pat him going to pat him on the back for what I'm about to say in a weird way um I think they've it's hard to know and he would probably say oh no it was there blah blah I don't know can't ask him yeah. I think they really lucked out uh yeah. with how they even make a sequel to uh, uh beneath the planet of the apes right because I just don't feel at all like they really thought that there was going to really either be a sequel or that that Zira and um, Cornelius. Cornelius would be the cornerstones of it. Right. Uh, I think they literally lucked out by being weirdly slack with the last movie and not including yeah. them into the narrative. Right. And that they were just kind of off to the side and they were literally, you know, I don't know if he had like, you know, I don't know if he was a drinker, but just had a crazy binge one weekend and was like, what am I going to do to make a come up with a sequel and it was just like wait a minute like those characters weren't in it what if we time travel you know yeah and i think it's actually a very canny example something i think that blockbusters and series and franchises would do better to do now in terms of doing something unconventional flipping the premise of a franchise or a series on its head while still getting to the heart of what its themes are because i think you know it's easy to take the safe route and it's easy to um you know, sprinkle in, um, you know, the mechanisms for making sequels to movies yeah. now. Um, but I really feel like these movies, for some of their problems, really each entry really go for broke yeah. and really smoke them till the wheels fall off. Like one of my favorite phrases, yeah. is, uh, and <laughs> just like you know, really go as hard as they can, yeah. and for all their problems, put a lot on the line, um, movie to movie, and that you know. Again, I don't just want to blame this era of movie. I think eras before, after this, in general, also suffer from this. But just really putting it out on the line and using everything at your disposable disposal, 
to make and create a new version of what a quote franchise means and is. Right. And again, the whole premise of, oh, we're going to take the premise of the first movie and flip it, mm-hmm. where the apes are now the Inhumans weird ones. Right. It was very smart and canny. And we're going to see with this movie, there are some corny things and some things that fall flat. But on the whole, I think represents some of the best of this franchise in terms of almost back to the Serling idea that we talked about yeah. in the very first movie of taking this very kind of populist genre and something that kind of appeals in some ways to the lowest common denominator, but in its own way taking a very uh, ham-fisted yet firm um, plunge into what can we do new with this, and we're yeah. not just going to play it safe. So in that way, I think this movie is a yeah. success. Yeah, and I, I think th- even I more so Conquest. I think yeah. does, uh, we'll yeah, talk about that more. next week. But, um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, the cast we'll go through here. Um, of course, Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter are back. Um, I guess Roddy McDowell, I don't really know what the situation was with this one. If he, uh, I guess he's, I'm in this you know, for the long haul. Like, right. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the situation was where he came back. If there was any, um, you know, I lost my train of thought, but just like what, if he wanted to direct another movie or what was going on with the uh, tale yeah. of, what was the name of that movie again? I gotta look that up. Tale of Zim or Tale of Lynn or something. What was it? Let me see. Yeah, no, Tam Lynn. That's right. Yeah. But it was the Ballad of Tam Lynn. So mm-hmm. I knew it was Tale or Ballad or something. Anyway, so yeah, I guess he's back for this one. Um, and then of course he's gonna be in all the rest all too. Yeah, because I. Like but this I said, is his last time as Cornelius, right? Said. And this is the last time that Kim Hunter is gonna be in these two. So, um, and they, you know, obviously, really are the stars of this movie where they haven't been before right. in the other ones. Um, so yeah, they're good. Not a whole lot. To say. We've, we've talked we've, about, we've talked them, about yeah. them a lot, but uh, we'll kind of talk about them again throughout this. Bradford Dillman as Doctor Lewis Dixon. Um, I'll be honest. As much as I, I've seen this movie two or three times, I don't remember who a lot of these people are in the movie. Um, but I'm assuming he's probably one of the doctors that is more hospitable to them. I don't remember. We'll see as the movie goes along. Let's see what other movies he was in. Um, well, let's go to the top here. It says if it says stuff. Nope, it doesn't. Okay, I'm going to have to go through this step by step. So, Crack in the Mirror. That's a good name for something. Yeah, from 1960. He was on Alfred Hitchcock Presents in 1963, A Rage to Live. Wow. That's a good name. Um, movie before Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Monstrosity. Mm-hmm. Science fiction horror film. Oh, the, uh, the Atomic Brain. I have heard of that a little bit. Francis of Assisi. Okay, so he was Francis of Assisi in that. Movie called Jigsaw, not the new Jigsaw. No. But... I think I've seen this somewhere recently, and I don't remember what. Anyway, um, let's see. Wait, suppose they gave a war and nobody came. Oh yeah, that movie. I've heard of that. Yeah, with uh, Brian Keith, Tony right. Curtis, yeah, Ernest Borgnine. Um, let's see. Not a whole lot of stuff I'm recognizing here. Just a lot of random. The Lincoln Conspiracy. John Wilkes Booth. Oh, okay. In 77. Yeah. The Iceman Cometh. I actually remember him in that because his face was oh, looking was that familiar version? to me. Okay. Yeah, he's got a um, Yeah, that. so he's been in a couple things. Uh, anyway, moving on. We'll talk about him, I guess, in the movie when we see him. Uh, Natalie Trundy is Dr. Stephanie Branton. I've seen her in something. She looks familiar. 
Not in a lot of things, though. Um, so she's in Conquest. Yeah, she's in Conquest and Battle. Is a different... Well, it looks like she's different people. And Well, okay. So she was Albina in Beneath. Dr. Stephanie Branton in this. And then in Conquest and Battle, she's Lisa. So, okay. I don't know. Maybe she was a friend of the producer or something. Yeah, that's Second husband, Arthur P. Jacobs. Oh, so that's go. what the situation is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So they were friends, I guess. Movie, I guess. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Eric Braden is Dr. Otto Hass. Oh, of course. Eric Braden. Victor Newman from The Young and the Restless. Yeah. I had forgotten he was in this. That's he's right. very famously also in Titanic. Yeah. Uh, let's see other things he's in. Yeah, he's most known as Victor Newman, Young and the Restless, Rat Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> Exploits of four Allied soldiers, three Americans, one British. That makes sense, I guess. Colossus the Forbin Project. Um, yeah, that's what he's most known for. Always kind of fun to show up. I didn't know he was German. I guess that makes sense. I didn't know that either. Yeah. But then he attended the University of Montana, Montana, Missoula. So. Yeah. I guess he was, uh, let's see. Yeah, he immigrated to the United States in 1959. He would have been 18. almost 20. So he would have spoken German a lot. So I didn't yeah. never know that. Mm-hmm. He seems like a very English Yeah, he's got an English-sounding yeah. voice. So. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's kind of like the villain in the movie, sort of. Uh, but it's also... You know, and even though he is the villain definitively, it is also that question of like, well, isn't that what anybody would, oh, anybody would fear this and maybe want to do yeah. that? I mean, it, I'm not saying it's right or it's clean, but I think it's, well, you know. in its own way, you know what's strange is we empathize more with that and we don't necessarily gravitate towards some of those ideas when it was the apes in the first right, two movies because, because we're humans, yeah. We're humans, right. but it's, it represents that point of view, but from a yeah, human perspective right. instead yeah, of an ape. much that. William Wyndham... I've heard his name a million times. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, let's see what they are. <laughs> a lot of TV, Twilight yeah. Zone, Star Trek, yeah. Columbo, Gunsmoke, Murder, Mission Impossible. Yeah, Murder, She Wrote. Magnum P.I. Yeah, New Heart, L.A. Law. As far as movies, he was in To Kill a Mockingbird in 62, The Detective in 68, that... Uh, Sinatra. Sinatra movie, yeah. Um, is that that... Hang on, I want to check on this. I know originally... Um, that there was some connection. It must have not been this. Did you know that it's... Yes. So, okay, that's what I thought. Roderick Thorpe. So this guy wrote a book called Nothing Lasts Forever that was basically the basis for Die Hard. Oh, and that originally, yeah. I think they were going to get Frank Sinatra to be to play John that McClane, role. Basically, yeah. Yes, it was. Ba- so that's what I thought. I thought that movie was connected to that. Was the detective? So anyway. I forget about that and then yeah. hear that again, and I'm like, yeah, that's what just a weird. so insane. Yeah. Can you imagine Frank Sinatra in that movie, like walking on glass and like, you know, uh, him saying Yippee Kaye. MF or what would that sound well, like? Well, you know, I have to imagine the like I can imagine almost the Frank Sinatra of like the Manchurian candidate being right, that guy, yeah. but like in general yeah. Frank Sinatra that would have been Let a, me uh, I'm pretty sell. sure about that that no, he was going to be No, that is in true. That, I've right? heard that before. Yeah, yeah, let me look this up. I'm hang on. We're going to take a detour here. Yeah, he was offered the part. What? Yeah, it says he was 70. Yeah, because he wow. had started in the detective. So I guess it was like a pseudo not sequel, but continuation, it would have been. Um, that would have been so But that's weird. a movie that isn't very remembered, so 
you know, obviously. And I don't know that it would be as remembered, listen, obviously. Frank Sinatra turned down the role, and it was subsequently offered to Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Clint Eastwood, Mel Gibson, James Caan, Richard Gere. Oh, James Caan is John McClane. I could kind of see that, actually. You know what the funniest thing about all this is that Bruce Willis was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in line. Mm-hmm. That just shows you I, how I bad Bruce point, Willis is. Well, you know? at that point, he was known for that show Moonlighting, I well, think, I know and he was, he was a TV. For, but, he was yeah. a TV actor. I mean, he yeah. and you know, I don't want to go on a whole diehard detour here, but all of those other people are well-established action stars by that right. point. And part of the appeal of John McClane is that he's kind of a quote nobody or somebody you're not as yeah. familiar with. Now, when we watch Die Hard, we know Bruce Willis is an action star, but at that time, no, I he wasn't it. known as that. And so any of those yeah. other ones would have, other than James Caan, I think that would have been cool. Mel, I think that James Caan would have been the coolest. Mel Gibson would have been the most apt. Because if you think about Mel Gibson in like Lethal Weapon, now this would have been before that. Mm-hmm. But I think he could have fit that John McClane role pretty much. He's basically pretty similar to Bruce Willis anyway. Richard Gere would have been interesting because yeah. Richard Gere isn't known for being an action star he was more of a pretty big dramatic actor so that would have been yeah a detour for him um anyways now this is talking about is die hard a christmas movie screw that moving on um so other movies that william Wynn was in. yeah um this movie um some john hughes films plane trains and automobiles she's having a baby and uncle buck and then okay. clint eastwood's true crime so this guy's in a lot of stuff yeah as um, it turns out Let's see if there's anything else down here. Um, Hour of the Gun. Texas Jack Vermilion. Wide Earp Doc Holiday movie. Um, the Americanization of Emily before that. Yeah, to kill, James, oh, wait, so James Garner and Jason Robards Robert Ryan. It says his film debut was To Kill a Mockingbird. Can you imagine being your very first movie is like one of the biggest, most acclaimed movies yeah, of all time? He's a like prosecutor that. in that. I just want to take a second, though. Look, This Hour of the Gun has... Has James Garner, Jason Robards, Robert Ryan, and that's an OK Corral movie. We got to watch that. Yeah, what's funny is about this looks almost like a lobby card or a yeah. poster for Hour of the Gun that we're seeing. It looks like the Red Sun, Red was it Red Skin, Red Blood, Red Skin, the oh, fake movie right. in that's Telly Savalas and Rick yeah, Dalton in right. My Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I'm gonna try to just mention Once My Time in Hollywood every podcast now. I guess right. at this point. Uh, oh, and he was Haskell Weeks and Brewster McCloud. I course. knew he looked familiar. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad we didn't remember that, but um, let's go see listen to that. Stuff. Yeah, uh, Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. Oh, he was in that Funland that movie that yeah. a friend of mine watched. Said it was awful. I still want to watch it. But though, Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. Yeah, is Puppetino. What does that look what like? The hell, wow. I thought that'd be way darker. New World than that. New World Pictures put it out though. Okay. Uh, Summers B. The ninety thirty fourth. Yeah, the nineties Miracle on version. Dopamine. <laughs> yeah, so he's been in a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, a lot. And he's been on here before. So, all right, Salminio is Milo. This is one of the most shocking realizations I think I've ever had in a long time. Is that wait? I remembered. I was like, that was Salminio. Yeah. You know. Salminio, um, most iconically uh, in uh, Rebel Without a Cause, um, kind of was a huge kind of 50s icon of sorts. Especially it, for kind of queer, yeah, early was, queer cinema. He was bisexual, I believe. I, I look, yeah, so. and uh, so it is a little strange that, you know, someone who was like a contemporary or a little bit younger than like James Dean is like this at this point 
popping up as right. a side person in a Planet yeah. of the Apes movie, you know. And I didn't know this. Did you know he was stabbed to death in the mid seventies? Yeah. I didn't yeah, know I that. that, that yeah. uh, I just found that, and that this had, was only I, a few years before then, about five. I years. I don't know the, all the details of his life, but I think he had had a very tough, unfortunate life. Yeah. Um, so I think he's. I've only seen him in a few things, but he's really great in Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame to see him so barely in this in ape makeup. It's you know, but I mean, he needed yeah. the money. I guess it's, it's a shame. But anyway, big shout out to Salminio. Yeah. Um, Albert Salmi as E one. Okay, so everything about this is weird. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. Um, let's see what he was in, because I want to know what the hell this is from. The Brothers Karmazov. <laughs> With the old Brenner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, and Maria Shell, Claire Bloom. What did he Anyway. Um, let's see what other things he was in. Let's see. Look at that picture of him and Twilight Zone. <laughs> so there's a picture. Okay. So Julie Newmar is out. It's like it's the woman or woman on the wing or something. Yeah, yeah. version of that. It's like, and this is in 63. Uh, of late, I think of Cliffordville was the name of the episode. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, as far as things he TV was shows, on, shows, Virginia, TV, Naked City, Combat, Bonanza, Heaven Will Travel, uh, Big Legend Valley, of Jesse James, Custer, Kung Fu, Eighteen, Night Gallery, Fugitive, Y Five O, Route Sixty Six, everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> About. So, um, mostly was a TV actor. Nope, he was in a lot. You know, I, I, let me just say this one thing about it. you yeah. know one thing that I've really learned even over the course of this podcast is a lot of these character actors we're seeing, yeah. especially at this mid-century time of American cinema or a little later, is how much TV played a role right. and how often yeah. a lot of these actors pop up in yeah, TV. Yeah, and and there's some movies here, a few, but not many. Um. So he's mostly a TV. The biggest movie I'm seeing is Battle of the Bulge, in which he was uncredited. Mm. Um, I know that movie gets a lot of hate randomly, Battle of the Bulge, which we have not seen. I really want to. But supposedly it's pretty inaccurate to the Battle of the Bulge, but I'm like, so it's a big war movie? But look at everybody's in it. Yeah. Yeah, but like, so anyway, Rawhide was another movie or show. Um, Jason Evers. I don't, I don't remember what these E1 and E2, E2 Judgment are. Day. We'll find that out, I guess. Are they test um, subjects or something? I don't be, remember. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. So, movies he was in. Guadalcanal Diary, Greenwich Village, Three's a Family, Pre-Boy Floyd, Brain That Wouldn't Die. I've seen that. Really bad. <laughs> House of Women, uh, Dawn of Victory, PJ, Man Called Gannon, Green Berets. With, uh, That's John Wayne. Yeah, big, pretty big movie. The Illustrated Man, which was mentioned, uh, had Rod Steiger in it, which was mentioned in, uh, at some point, on the radio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. This, of course, a piece of the action. Not the episode of Star Trek, but a movie with Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. So, yeah. Claws. Barracuda. The, the stuff. stuff. <laughs> oh, the stuff. That's one of my favorite posters. Basket Case 2. Oh, Basket Case 2. I haven't seen the first Basket Case yet. I need to do that. I see Basket Cases every day. Yeah, I do too. Boom, boom, yeah. But not that kind. Phil, and then some TV. Phil Silver Show? Nine episodes. Um, Played like four different characters over the course of being on there. Anyway, moving on. All right. Uh, Cheyenne, Hong Kong. It's a show. Rod Taylor was on that show. Wow. Uh, Surfside 6, 77 Sunset Strip, Bronco, Tallahassee, 7,000, Perry Mason, Bonanza. Gunsmoke. 
Tales, Tales of Wells Fargo. I guess that's yeah. about the original Wells Fargo. Okay. Mm-hmm. F- the, uh, the FBI Big Valley, Virginia and Green Hornet, Combat, Invaders, Tarzan, Run for Your Life, Wild Wild, Wild, Wild West. You get the idea. We're just going to... Star uh, Trek. Mission Impossible, Y five O. All of yeah. it, you know? <laughs> anyway. All right. John Randolph, of course, we've talked about John Randolph in the past. He's in this as the chairman. I don't really remember him in the movie, uh, but we'll find out. Of course, John Randolph was in Seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, Serpico. Death of Innocence, Serpico, Earthquake, All the President's Men is John Mitchell. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's I, I forgot that, yeah. King Kong, the 77 version. Heaven Can Frizzy's Wait. Frizzy's Honor. Heaven Can Wait. I don't remember him in that either. Yeah, he was huh. the guy who uh, got his team bought out by oh, okay. Warren Beatty. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, now. love John Randolph. Talked about him before. Harry Lauter is uh, General Winthrop. Another TV actor, it looks like. I don't even know if I'm going to go through all his stuff. The Gay Intruders. Male wow. Secretary. Okay. Um, big broadcast of 1938. <laughs> Sailor uncredited. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, Magnificent Rogue. Hit Parade, 1947. Handsome I, Boy Uncredited. Yeah. You know one of my favorite things? That I haven't even watched any of them. You know, they used to have on uh, TCM, they showed them MGM parades all the time. Yeah. Like, it was just basically... Like, what What were those, exactly? They were like... Uh, you talking the, about the... You know, on TCM, they used to show those MGM parades all the time. They were, it was like a TV series, sort of, where they had... Uh, well, did they show? Uh, were they just clips of old movies? They probably they... were. I'm looking here. It says documentary TV series put on by American Tobacco and General Foods. Uh, yeah, it was sort of like Walt Disney's Disneyland. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was basically just like yeah, uh, compilation promise. Yeah, but they used to shows on TCM all the time. But I like stuff like that, and then like those Hollywood canteens, and just yeah. like let's just throw everything at the wall. We're we're Hollywood, yeah, you know right. that that's a all time thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, he yeah. He was in stuff. Yeah, Harry Lauder looking. <laughs> yeah. M. Emmett Walsh. Now M. Emmett Walsh. Uh, now we're gonna go through him step by step. Legendary character actor. Um. Yeah. So he. Of course, I think most famously. I don't know. Well, just go he's usually stuff. always a guy that's always secondary, you know, very yeah. much a character actor part. I think most people who have seen it will remember him from Blood Simple. He actually has a bigger role yeah. in that. It's kind of the villain of sorts. So well, everybody's kind of the villain right. of that movie. Yeah. But. but he's in a, actually a lot of big stuff. First movie he was ever in was Alice's Restaurant, the Arthur Penn adaptation of the Woody Guthrie. And let's Not also Guthrie, say that he's one, Arlo Guthrie, he's one of these guys that have always looked relatively older. Yeah. And now he He's is actually alive. old, yeah. yeah. Midnight Cowboy, Bus Passenger, uh, Little Big Man, Little Big Man, Cold Turkey, which is a movie I've always really wanted to see because I saw some of it. Have you ever heard of this? I have. I yeah. saw some of it on TV. At we saw that in Barnes and Noble just the other day. I saw it actually as a DVD that really? was in there. Yeah, uh, I might. Go, I, I, I think you were looking at something. I was going to show I'm you. Gonna go, how much was it? Was it like ten? I don't remember. Wait, I'm a little going, more than I'm that. I think. I it. think it's like closer to twenty. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna pay that much <laughs> anyway. Uh, there might be giants. This movie. What's up, Doc? Peter Bogdanovich. Get to know your rabbit. Uh, that's a, a Brian De Palma. Movie. Yeah. Serpico, the Gambler. We watched that recently. Nickelodeon. 
Bound for Glory, Mikey and Nikki, Slapshot, Airport 77, Straight Time. Straight Now, Straight Time is really good. That's actually maybe among his best performances, I'd say. He kind of plays the antagonist of sorts to Dustin Hoffman yeah. in that. It's really good. The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> Never heard of that. The Jerk, I think, is one of his most yeah, memorable roles as too. the sniper. Um, Brubaker, I really want to see that. I uh, now, a while, but. uh... Also, Raise the Titanic, Ordinary People. I yeah. remember him in that. Now, I want yeah. you to read his credit in Reds. Okay, well, first of all, he's in a movie called Backroads. Yeah. As Arthur. In Reds, the 1981 film, Speaker at Liberal Club. <laughs> yeah, I'd say there were a lot of those. but uh, Cannery Row, which I'm assuming is yeah an adaptation yeah, the, of the Steinbeck yeah. novel, that and Sweet Thursday. Uh, Blade Runner. Escape Artist, Blade Runner. I, I forgot he was in Blade Runner. I don't remember that. Oh, he was the uh, police chief. I Captain Brian yeah, whatever. says, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Silkwood, Blood Simple, Pope of Greenwich Village, Fletch. Um, Harry and the Hendersons. Back to school. Clean and sober. Yeah. No Man's Land. Milagro. Hang on, whoa. The Milagro Beanfield War. Directed by Redford. Redford. Reuben Blaze, Richard Brad. All right, we're what is that? I'm gonna t we're not even going to talk about it on air. We're just going to let it sit there, and I'm yeah. going to come back to it later. Maybe I will actually at the end of the podcast, and we'll kind of figure that out for our own. Sunset. I've always wanted to see that. That's that. Uh, Bruce Willis. Is that James know. Garner? Who was it? Uh, no, that's. Uh, I think that's Kevin Klein. No, it is. No, you're right. It yeah. is James Garner. James Garner. War Party. He's in a lot of stuff. Catch me if you can. Uh, not the uh, Spielberg, Spielberg version movie. Uh, let's see if there's other stuff. Time to Kill. He's in William yeah. Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet. I don't remember him in that. I don't either. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Wild, wild, oh, I do yeah, remember wild, him wild in West. Wild Wild yeah, West. Iron Giant. He did a voice. Poor White Trash. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, Snow Dogs. Ooh, all-time movie, Christmas with the Cranks. I've seen that. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not all that good. That's a classic Hudson Middle School. Like, yeah. it's Christmas time. Well, I'm going to be working the there. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you got to continue that tradition. Yeah. You have to so, honor the tradition. Yeah. Knives Out, of course. I forgot he was in that, too. Honestly, when I saw him pop up yeah. in Knives Out, are you ever, like, grateful you see a certain character? I can go, oh, they're alive. And just, yeah, I, right. I wasn't yeah, even yeah. thinking about he was right. dead, but I was just like, oh, okay, yeah. he's working. Anyway, M. Emmett Walsh, legend, love you, babe. Yeah, Roy Glenn. Um, yeah, we're moving on. Is uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, babe, as lawyer. Um, <laughs> lawyer. I feel like I've seen him in something before. Um, Guess who's coming to dinner? Says, well, he started Father in of Amos Portier's and Andy character in Jack Benny show. Okay. He's Portier's father, and guess who's That's coming? That's what to I dinner. was thinking of. He was also in the Raising the Sun. Sound in the Fury, I haven't seen that, but support your local gunfighter. Oh, is that that movie we saw some of on TV here a while back we wanted to watch? Yeah. I was in that. It was yeah. James Garner, Jack Elam. Uh, I think this is that movie, isn't it? Might have been, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. We saw it on TCM, I think, for a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. Um, yeah, because we saw some of that. we got to put that Milagro Beanfield over here. <laughs> um, uh, Peter Forster as the Cardinal. I don't know. It's probably a Cardinal, I'm guessing. TV, well, this is kind of everything. It turns out not actually as much. 
Desert Fox, story of Rommel. Is that James Mason? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know he played Rommel. Sea Hunt. I always wanted to watch that show. Yeah. Cleopatra. Uh, Three Stooges go around in the world go around the world in a daze as Vickers Cavendish. <laughs> Father Goose. Batman. Mr. Percy. I don't remember him in that. Uh, 1776 as well. Who's he playing that? Uh, Oliver Walcott. Connecticut. Uncredited. He's got several uncredited credits. Yeah. Yet they're credited. Hmm. After the fact. Bill Bonds, TV newscaster. This guy just look. I hate to say it, this looks like a bore. He's saying, he yeah. looks like a newscaster. Bill Bonds. The only movies he was in was It Takes a Thief. Well, this and It Takes a Thief. It takes a Thief was a. Actually, it TV says show. he was a newscaster. Right. Uh, I guess in real life. Yes. He was in Detroit. Then he was in on Action News uh, in the early 70s. Says he was also in RoboCop. Um, oh, okay. So I guess he appeared in this because he was a broadcaster, also in RoboCop for the same reason. Okay. Um, get rid of that too. All right, only two more here. Almost done. James Bacon, General Faulkner. Uh, he wrote. He wrote a biography of Jackie Gleason. So okay. Jackie Gleason. <laughs> the Honeymooners. He so, lived to be ninety six. Says he was. Uncredited as an ape in the original. Oh, man. If only we would have called him, you know? Yeah. Um, Black Tuesday. What? Edward G. Yeah. Okay. The Boss. Teacher's Himself pet. uncredited. Al Capone. That's the Rod Steiger version yeah. of Al Capone. The Big Circus. The Rebel. Uncredited in most of these. Yeah. 80 Steps to Jonah, Hobo. At least he got credited in that one. <laughs> Skullduggery. Commentator. Also an uncredited ape in Beneath. What is this? Skullduggery. Gordon Douglas. Burt Reynolds, Susan Clark. I think I've barely heard of that because of Burt Reynolds, but... Ape-like creatures. Being used to slay by humans, and one of the troopers is allegedly murdered. Following murder trial centered on the question... <laughs> My God. Okay. It looks like it was trying to do a Planet of the Apes rip-off, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Says it is based on the French novel. Uh, they even had a French uh, novel. Les Animaux de 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 Nachos, which also was titled in English "You Shall Know Them," "Borderline," and "The Murder of the Missing Link." So okay. anyway, we're learning a lot of stuff today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy was in a lot of stuff. Also, mm-hmm. one of my favorite titles for a movie. Uh, Planet Earth. How to seduce a woman? As uh, he's itself. he's yet another actor who's actually in all of these. Oh, uncredited really? ape, ape uncredited beneath. Yeah. He's General Faulkner in this, and then ape uncredited in Conquest. Let's see, was then, he like best friends with Arthur P. Jacobs or something? Could be. I'm looking here. Sorry, we went dark. Yeah, whatever. There you go. Anyway. Uh, and then, Ricardo Maltabon as Almar Armando, who, was, of course, is also in the next movie as well. Yeah. We have to say about Ricardo Maltabon. Uh, well, I've not even seen... I've, I, I don't even think I've seen his episode he was on of Star Trek, the original yeah. series. But then he, of course, played Khan. Khan on that, yeah. and he reprised his role as Khan very famously in The Wrath of Khan. Uh, also, Fantasy Island, which is a yeah. show I've randomly thought about watching... Um, I, I'll admit. Was he a villain also, in Naked Gun? I think also. Oh, was he? I think he Let was. I'll also admit to wanting to watch uh, 
Fantasy Island. I'm not all that. Uh, yeah, he was in Naked Gun. Yeah, Vincent Ludwig. Yeah, the, he was um, also in some of the Spy Kids movies. Wow. Wonton Ton the, the dog. dog who saved wow. Hollywood. Silent film star. And I'm putting that out to the yeah. side also. <laughs> Mark of Zorro. Frank Langella was in that also. At least that Sweet some Charity, he's in that as a Bob Fosse Latino movie. Latino or Hispanic actors in that version. That's good. Which, I mean, the new one. Made for TV. Too, but, you know. That's yeah. a lot to ask for back then, sadly, though. You know. Yeah. Um, Wonton Ton, the dog who saved Hollywood. I can't get over that. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I Heston, mean, not back. What should you no. say? He, well, uh, oh, I thought we were, were we still talking about multiple. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I mean, he's he's good. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> everybody knows him from Wrath of Khan. Right, and yeah. He's been in that, yeah, obviously. Uh, he's in a bunch of stuff way before that. Um, he was from Mexico City, Mexico. So he was Mexican. Um, let's see, seven decades. Yeah, I mean, he was in a lot of stuff, so... He's another one of them people that everybody can probably find something to right, love him that, yeah. that he was in. He's in tons of um, stuff. Yeah, so of course, Charlton Heston um, was not in this, other than two free, brief flashback sequences. Okay, so, there you go. Um, or if we got a check, I don't know. Look at that picture in there. Probably bought a gun with it. Yeah, did get I'm one. sure. Cold dead hands. Anyway. Yeah, so... A Taylor is cold dead hands. I mean. Right. But, I mean... You, you, I mean you know, it's, oh, my God. <laughs> what's weird is at this I guess if you're going by this timeline that Taylor has when did he leave Earth again 72 uh, or 3 72 I think so it's 73 they're yeah, because so I, he's been gone at the for beginning a of the movie I think that they think that it might be them when they get out the the humans right they think that the spaceship is because it is their spaceship even though it was at the bottom of that lake yeah Um. whatever Um. but they did send that other group out too because they needed rescuing for some reason Anyway, we're moving on. I know that took a long time to get through, but you know there was a lot of people that were on TV back then. So, yeah, in case you didn't know, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know every fascist on TV in the fifties. Okay, so yeah, uh, as far didn't you say Jerry Goldsmith was also yes, back Jerry to Goldsmith do the came score. back to do the score. Uh, we were listening to just the beginning earlier. I'm interested in it already. It sounds way better than the last movie. So uh, yeah, the last one was kind of much more on autopilot, yeah. not nearly as weird. Of course, Arthur P. Jacobs back as a producer. We know that for sure. Yeah. Um, cause all his, uh, cause all his buddies were in it. Yeah. So it was a budget of 2.06 million and it made, uh, 12.3. So it was a little less of a return on this yeah. one. Um, one thing we wanted to talk about, um, when it came to, uh, well, cause frankly we were at a loss of what, what are some things we can maybe talk about with this movie in terms in the intro one thing that really stuck out to me, though, was just looking at the box office charts of 1971, and we thought we would talk a yeah. little bit about some of the other movies that were right, whether in they theaters. be big uh, money makers or not. Yeah, I'll just go through the top 16, and uh, and what's strange is the top grossing movies of 71. Um, this is always true with some of this stuff. There's some conflicting reports, and it's all about whether or not. You count the North American box office or um, internationally. I right. believe this is mostly counting the North American box office when I'm okay. about to read. Um, the number one movie of 1971 domestically was Billy Jack, yeah. um, which is the s sequel to The Born Losers, right. the first Billy Jack movie. Um, then, And this was, I think, internationally the biggest movie of the year, too. Fiddler on the Roof was number mm -hmm. two. Diamonds Are Forever, that was, of course, 
Connery's return to Bond after he had left for Honor Majesty's right. Secret Service. Um, the French Connection, which for my money is probably the best movie of this year, I think. Uh, Summer of 42, Carnal Knowledge, Dirty Harry, Clockwork Orange, Last Picture Show, that would be a close second, mm-hmm. I think. Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, um, Sweet Sweetback, and I've got some things I want to say about that movie okay. here in a little bit uh, that are shocking to me. Willard, the uh, very shocking movie in general. Willard, The Hospital, Clute, The Andromeda Strain, and then finally Escape from the Planet of the Apes is actually, according to this, number 16 hmm. domestically. Um, and not only that, let me some other big movies you can kind of point to. Um, okay, Mrs. Miller's number 21 on the uh, uh, box office. Yeah. Willie Wonka on the Chocolate Factory, number 24. Um, just in general for you, Levi, we didn't even name all the movies because there's yeah, I'm gonna run some down other some big other ones. ones but name some that pop out to you uh, in 71. Straw Dogs, um, the uh, Peck and Paw movie. Yeah. Um, which I'm a I'm a Peck and Paw fan. Like I said, we've said this a couple times. Don't have time to go through him at the moment, but I like that. Many of Moskowitz, we just watched that recently, the Cassavetes. Uh, John Cassavetes film. Very good. A lot of these are more independent things I'm going to mention. Harold and Maud, which I think is probably the best movie of that year. Actually, I'm looking now at actually some of these movies, and there's uh, there's another big one that I actually yeah. think would be, and um, several ahead of that. And Harold and Maul, of course, is a big movie now, but at the time didn't make a lot of money and wasn't all that well-liked. Um, Sometimes a Great Notion, that's probably yeah. the other best movie of the year. It's that's a movie that uh, we've talked about here and there on here, That how much we love it. We'll talk more about that in detail one of these days. Um, The Last Movie... Um, very strange it's his follow up to Easy Rider yeah Yeah. Um, of course this is a foreign film but uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender's Beware of a Holy Whore yes that is a real movie if Mm -hmm. you weren't aware we watched that here a while back and it was whatever I Mm -hmm. guess Tulane Blacktop actually I think that for me is the best and my favorite movie of this year now I'm thinking about it because I totally love that movie um I didn't really like this movie all that much but uh uh Pierre Paolo Pasolini's uh, The Decameron, which was the first of his trilogy of life movies, which also encompassed Canterbury Tales and uh, Arabian Nights. Yeah. Um, interesting movies, at least. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thought Arabian Nights was actually okay, but the other two I wasn't that big fan. Yeah. But, uh, Drive, he said um, that Jack Nicholson film. Yeah. Um, Clute. Clute, yeah, we mentioned that earlier, I think, in that list. Which, been, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Abominable Dr. Fibes, which I haven't seen in a long time, but good enough. Um, Bananas, the Woody Allen film. Now, I think for Allen, that was kind of a breakthrough movie that yeah. got him a little more attention at that point. And the biggest one we haven't mentioned, which is THX 1138. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I actually had forgotten about some of these movies off the top of my head. I, for me, like my little pantheon of these movies would probably be Tulane Blacktop, Harold and Maud. Sometimes a great notion, Minnie and Moskowitz and the French Connection. McCabe and Mrs. Miller. McCabe and Mrs. Miller also. Those are all really great movies. A lot of them fit into the new Hollywood right. framework of that yeah. moment. Um, and so what for you about maybe 1971, about maybe some of these movies collectively stick out uh, for you? Well, I think that it's already a good about, you know, three, four years, in five years uh Sort well, no, about three or four years really into um, New Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, and that we've already had great movies, you know, before this, and we'll have even better ones after it because um, the Godfather movies have yet to be made. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and other movies, even in the mid and late seventies, that are really great. But I get, I think it's just interesting that by this time, you're seeing movies like, um, The French Connection, and McCabe and Mrs. Miller, um, and uh, Dirty Harry, even, uh, making their way into big theaters and yeah. and into the studios and that people were making these movies. And then, of course, you have stuff like Tulane Blacktop, Last Picture Show, which are big, but they were made a little, just a little bit more independent. Or was Last Picture Show put out by somebody? I feel like that was That was uh, Columbia, Columbia right. I believe. So that yeah. was a little bit bigger. Um, but some of these movies, you know, were a little smaller still. Um but that these big movies are happening. But meanwhile, all all while all this is happening, you're having these silly ape movies that are still being made. Well, I just um, want to point out that in the world of 1971, The French Connection, Carnal Knowledge, A Clockwork Orange, The Last Picture Show, Sweet Sweet Back, uh, and Clute were actually more commercially viable than the third Planet of the Apes film as a franchise. Yeah. Mind-boggling. You, we don't yeah. live in that world anymore, um, and it's downright inspiring, but also sad at the same time. When you look at this, that why can't we have a box office list now that yeah. is nearly as daring as this? Um, I mean, and one thing I really want to mention that shocked me um, is about Sweet Sweetback. That 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 movie was actually number one when this came out. Um, Sweet Sweetback's, of course. Melvin Van Peebles uh, follow up to Watermelon Man, and it's kind of known as the first quote black exploitation movie, but it's yeah. the first of a great many things. Uh, black exploitation barely describes it. Um, one of the most shocking kind of independent movies, and it's been labeled a quote exploitation movie, and I think that takes away from the power of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, really, I recommend you seek it out. It's one of the most radical movies I'd say that's in the history of American cinema. Um, but it was actually the highest grossing movie when this came out. Um, and later, I mean, this is something you never see. Later on in the year, all the way in September, it then reached number one again, 19 weeks after it yeah. had been out, which, again, was downright shocking that a movie can stay in the consciousness and even break through again and be number one at the box office. Um mind-blowing to me like i said because that just doesn't happen anymore because now it's all about oh the next big release it makes all its money then the next big release then the next this one actually you see several times movies pop back up and still are making them money you know that's yeah. just uh you don't see that anymore right. um but yeah like you said you know this was a weird time where the new hollywood craze was actually far more um, you know, in the public consciousness and box office commercial product, then weirdly, like I said, a, a further sequel to this, you know, which yeah. that's again yet another world we don't live in anymore. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, that, that, like I said, that's just so fascinating that, that that was just the time period that they they were in that those movies were. Especially Things, Carnal Knowledge, which yeah. is a movie that we recently saw for the first time, yeah. and we're fans of basically everybody involved in that movie. Um, and we weren't totally in love with it, but no. certainly respected it for what it was trying to be. And the fact that, again, there was a point where that was seen as commercially viable entertainment that people went to go see, <laughs> adults went to go yeah. see. Um, again, that's something that 
the type of thing you would maybe see in a TV show now, less in a movie. Um, but even then, it wouldn't nearly get the eyeballs that that would have gotten right. back in the early 70s. But, but there we are. <sighs> you know? Sorry, I was yawning. Not because I don't love movies in the 70s. I'm just tired. Um, yeah. So as far as kind of the last thing we were going to talk about before we move on, we actually spent more time on this than I was expecting because we were going through all the TV credits of all these people that nobody remembers. But um, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I've got to talk about the these before we move on. Uh, or no, you know what? We'll do that after we talk about this because I want to hit on these. Yeah. Um. Well, we kind of already yeah, talked so, a little bit about this right, decision but, to time hop. I think that um, one weird thing that, you know, allows these movies to hold up to an extent all these years later is that while they were making money, that they weren't necessarily the most talked about, dissected thing in the way that franchise movies are now, yeah. where they're going to be picked apart by YouTube or picked apart by the internet. Those things, of course, didn't exist back in the early 70s. So it frankly allowed for more experimentation in some ways because yeah. they know that it isn't going to be slaved over. It's going to play for a few weeks, and then it's going to go out, and then you maybe make another one. Um, the pressure on these franchises was far less extreme than it is now. Yeah. Um, where you have all these eyeballs, all these bloggers, all these people on the internet, like, oh, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. That, you know, if you were a fan of the first two Planet of the Apes movies in the early 70s, you were just kind of, we talked about this in the past, you were lucky with what you got, but then you moved on and the next right. thing was going to be coming out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think another movie that was, I think I saw at some point uh, on the list here was The Omega Man, I believe. Yeah. Um, That, you know, there was, you know, a lot more choice, you know, all the choices for things to see back then were, in some ways, were greater at the cinema, even though now, objectively, I think the choices are greater with TV. Yeah. But you would say, oh, well, Charlton Heston's not in the new Planet of the X movie, but he is in the Omega Man. Right. Um, and so, again, a weirdly, I think the fact that some of these genre movies were more disposable at the time actually works to their advantage where they can be a little bit more experimental mm -hmm. or try things out as is the case with this movie than they are now. Right. now and the, the decision, basically what you're saying is the decision to do that time travel stuff would be more accepted, I guess. Right? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. Because I think... And more influential. Now, because now far you can away do that stuff all the from time. what the, quote, fans are demanding, then yeah. like it could either sink the box office or lead to a lot of anger about it. And then it's just... And then, that, then you would have the students, oh, well, we'll do what the fans want to do. Right. And, and, you know, this was made by professionals and adults who didn't necessarily, frankly, care all that much. Like, yeah. whatever was no, going mean, to, you know, that's, be it, whatever it was was going to be what yeah. it was, you know. And that and that's the, uh, the I wouldn't say shocking reality because it's clear, but the sad reality. But also, like like we're saying, kind of a good thing about these movies is that it all came out of the desire to make more money. Yeah, but that the inventions that came out of that were actually great and interesting and influential, even if they weren't always. And the fact that good, I mean, this came like, out a year influence. after the last right. one. It wasn't very yeah. long after. It was you know, as we said, that the first came out in '68. Then there was a two-year gap between that and Beneath. But then from here on out, it's every year a new one comes out. Almost like the Bond franchise at a certain point in the '60s. What that was. Yeah, and it's similar. like that's what's fascinating to me and what. I don't know what that says, what we've lost um, in this amount of time. And believe me, there's a lot of really bad movies that were made in the 60s and 70s. I yeah. mean, there's been bad yeah. movies that have been made forever. But think about the fact that Paul Dean was given like this little amount of time yeah. to make this movie. And he did this. And it's as good as it is. And yet, 
these idiots in these boardrooms that sit around for four to five years and longer come up with the garbage that they come up with mm-hmm. and they have all these people working on it and nobody and they can't come to some realization of 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 class dignity and taste mm-hmm. what does that say about anything i don't know well you we're know? saying all this on the weekend of space jam a new legacy has just yeah. been released and has been lambasted by the critics i'm sure justifiably so um and you know a lot of people have been saying oh that's just like warner brothers like marketing itself throughout the whole movie throwing out all these oh casablanca uh clockwork orange like you know uh the devils like just all these movies that are just like somehow <laughs> fall under the warner brothers catalog are you talking about the and, ken russell movie mm-hmm. the devil? apparently is that it, in that apparently it is are you yeah. kidding me yeah apparently i thought you were joking no. I- I'm literally going to have a heart attack. I cannot um, believe this. But, you know, and again, for all the problems of old Hollywood, and there were many in their own way, um, one thing was that these people were professional filmmakers or producers. They weren't worried about selling a streaming service. They weren't worried about selling, well, they were, you know, ancillary products here and there, selling toys or whatever. Um, but first and foremost, it was all about, Okay, I'll um, here. making sure that the movies worked as movies, and that right. And again, you know, now the studios are controlled as you know part of these conglomerates, um, these entertainment conglomerates that they have to fit in within the realm of a streaming service, and less just as mm. actual films. And they, it's you know, less about actually playing in a movie theater, more about it's going to end up on a streaming service, and so. Throw in all your Easter eggs and yeah. things because that people then that's can rewind gonna, and watch. Right, yeah. so that's you know they can pause it, yeah, and and put it in their Pop Funko collections. I want to take a moment and actually read this. This is from a Variety article written by, um, who is it written by? I've had this problem with Variety where it's tough to figure out who actually wrote the daggum thing. Are you seeing a name here anywhere? Mm, no, maybe so it's they towards just the bottom. Don't, don't give know. a crap, I guess. Okay, um. Well, sorry, whoever wrote it. Can't find your name. Uh, this paragraph. Aside from familiar characters, film but This is about, of course, uh, Space Jam A New Legacy, by the way. Aside from familiar characters, film bus will catch a glimpse of the white-suited droogs from the R-rated A Clockwork Orange and even a nun from Ken Russell's The Devils, both of which will likely be lost on the kids in the audience. It also says Metropolis. Reference from Fritz, references from Fritz Lang's Metropolis to Mad Max Fury Road are all shoehorned into the mix. Both of which will likely be lost on the kids in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say so. Um, How much of the political messages I wonder were lost on the kids in the audience for this movie, though? You know, They were certainly lost on the adults, I'm sure. So, yeah. Man, uh, I'm telling you, we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah these days. Um, it's just kids' entertainment, though. What's the big deal? You know, you hear people say this all the time. Well, it's just for kids. But, you know, why do we have to expect that things made for kids have to be abject garbage? Like, why can't we actually yeah. aspire to a higher level and, like, uh, get, you know, actually treat kids with respect and actually assume that they might be a little yeah. smart? Because if you only ever go for the common denominator that's the kids you will produce right. you know what i mean but Andy if greenwall you, we're calling you out yeah like, if you're uh, listening which you're not but. but uh you know actually raising the bar and that was true for i think for a lot of the early pixar yeah. movies especially that they actually 
challenge kids and you know, and again it's not it's not like it's you know we're not putting the devil it ain't in fast there. bender and it ain't <laughs> like you know some extreme cinema but it is something that is a little bit more challenging for kids while also ha- letting them have fun at the same time you know yeah. there is a middle ground of achieving both yeah um, and you know and I think that's what a lot of these these movies make yeah. so special. They do that. They, they are movies. I think ostensibly made for adults, but they they have these genre elements and the merchandising element that bring kids into it. And there was a lot of kids, I would imagine, of the '60s and '70s into the '80s generation, especially, who saw these movies and were reached some political consciousness as a result yeah. of these movies. I would yeah. imagine too. You know. Um. Yeah, we'll basically leave it there other than the, for now other than the fact that uh people, you know, back then and still are like oh my god, the late 60s, just, uh, you know, certain people of a political persuasion just like what a hell. Oh my god. Yeah. Like it's like well, at least they were making movies like these back then. What does it say about now, mm-hmm. you know? So we live in a hell now and it ain't yeah. uh, getting any better right. uh, so, entertainment wise, uh, so. So yeah. Um Anything left to say about this movie before we move on? No, I think we pretty much covered yeah, that for it's now. It's good. You yeah. see it. Uh, <laughs> we're about to right now. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to take a brief break. Oh, actually, no. Oh. You know what? Before that, yeah. let's go Let's go through this. Okay. Juan Tonton, The Dog Who Saved Hollywood. Okay. So we've got, it's a Michael Winter film. We've got Bruce Dern, Madeline Kahn, Terry Gar, Art Carney. I'm in. I'm in you know, yeah, uh, I mean, that, check, spoofing, check, check, check. Spoofing the craze surrounding Ren 1010, <laughs> the film is notable for the large number of cameo appearances by actors and actresses from Hollywood's Golden Age. We're going to go through these here in just a second. Many of whom have been employees of Paramount Pictures, the film's distributor. Okay, let's see. The movie also had uh, Phil Silvers, mm-hmm. um, Ron Liebman, uh, Ronnie Graham, Tony Bass. All right, we're going to run through these really fast. Dorothy Lamore, Joan Blondell, Virginia Mayo, Hen- Henny Youngman, mm-hmm. Rory Calhoun, Aldo Ray, Ethel Merman, Nancy Walker, Rhonda Fleming, Dean Stockwell, Dick Kames, Tab Hunter, Robert Alda, Victor Mature, Edgar Bergen, Henry Wilcoxon, Alice Fay, Yvonne DiCarlo, brief cameo appearances. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't know if we need to go through all uh, those. I'm just going to run through, see some names I recognize. William Demarest. Ricardo Maltabon. Well, you, well, that's where... This is where... It all comes yeah. back to where it started, you know. Um, Gloria DeHaven. Ann Miller. Doodles Weaver. Zsa Gabor. Zsa Gabor, yeah. Jack Carter. Barbara Nichols. Bill Leeds. Anyway, I want to see this movie immediately. Yeah. Um, it's only 92 minutes. No. So one right, They fit all them people in there. The dog who saved Hollywood. The mm-hmm. Milagro Beanfield War. Okay. So, um, Robert Redford directed film. Had Reuben Blades, Richard Bradford, Sonia Braga, Julie Carmen, James Gammon, Melanie Griffith, John Hurd. John Hurd, hero. Mm-hmm. Carlos Raquelme, Daniel Stern. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, before they were in Home Alone. Yeah. Only two years before. Christopher Walken. Um, that movie is about one man's struggle as he defends a small bean field in his community against much larger business and state political interests. Keanu Lorber put out a Blu-ray in 2020. It sounds like a Redford, uh, yeah. one guy against the world right. kind of movie. Uh, which the Milagro Beanfield War. There we go. That's all we had to say. Yeah. Moving on. So, uh, we're going to take a brief break, <laughs> and when we get back after you're hearing the trailer, we're going to go escape from the planet of the apes. 
This is Dr. Zero, her loving husband Cornelius, and little Milo. The most dangerous to man is little Milo. Why? The time is 1973. The place is right here on Earth. How did they get here? What is their reception? Welcome, gentlemen, to the United States. Escape from the planet of the apes. Their adventures are completely fresh, completely new. Astonishingly different from what you experienced in Planet of the Apes and beneath the Planet of the Apes. At first, feared and imprisoned. We'll take the female first. Well, she seems to be pretty smart. All right, we'll go for the banana. Well, why doesn't she take it? Because I loathe bananas. I don't believe it. Sarah, are you mad? Until we know who our friends are and who our enemies... And how in the name of God are we to know that unless we communicate? We can speak, so I spoke. The president convenes a special board of inquiry. Have you a name? Zero. Does the other one talk? Only when she lets me. <laughs> Embraced by our civilization, the nation gives them a hero's welcome. Address, please. The zoo. <laughs> what is it? Well, it's sort of uh, like Grape Juice Plus. How is that? It's certainly the most incredible story this reporter has ever covered. And you share the impact of every incredible moment. Must have been the shock. Shock my foot. I'm pregnant. The president's chief advisor wants them murdered, or else the human race cannot survive. The escape. The birth of an infant who could threaten man's very existence. You're the second human I've kissed. You are the first. The Relentless Chase. The Stunning Climax. Zira, I want that baby. If you won't give it to me, I'll shoot. Why was Washington thrown into a turmoil by this one baby? Stop him! Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And here we are. We're back. Love that trailer, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. You could tell whoever put it on YouTube. Y'all you, couldn't see it, but uh, we don't have any. We're not going to create a Patreon where you can. So no, uh, no it's easily findable yeah. though. But but anyway, you could tell it was like uh, put it on a VHS tape or something. It was really wavy looking in parts of it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean. Uh, one moment from that trailer we were just laughing at it's like the relentless chase and it's just like a truck and barely it's just like driving. a truck barely driving it's, it's just like, like not nearly i know as what it's referring now. to yeah. is that the chase as a bigger sense of yeah. them chasing them but it's just like the relentless chase and it's just like a truck just yeah. driving. <laughs> like, but anyway movie was rated g continually insane to me especially the ending as uh, violent as the ending is um, which I guess we never talked about the ending exactly, but we'll just talk about it in the moment. When it yeah, happens. right. So we'll yeah, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll talk anyway, about it. All right. So we're watching this yet again from the standard issue uh, 20th Century Fox Blu-ray. Hit and play in five, four, three, two, 
one. This one also starts without a logo. So it's like you already know, you know, 20th Century Fox. May it rest in peace in the 20th century. So we got flagged on YouTube again, right? For Beneath. Has that yeah. been restored? Not of as this moment, no. So uh, as we're Disney's recording screwing this. us again. Yeah. And yes, you are if, you, you, if you're here. This is hearing what happens this. when Disney you, takes control. You know what you did. Mm, yeah. So. <laughs> Anyways, on to bigger and brighter things. So how they got that out of the... I don't imagine what uh, audiences are going into this like, well, all right, so, well, I might have seen the posters or trailers or whatever. So, all right, so, we're, wait a minute. So, this is the 70s now, I guess? Because, yeah. you know, helicopters. Then we see, of course, the uh, spaceship that uh, Taylor was on in the... Well, we'll you, see. You dirty. Whose spaceship this is? This I, is still I, up It probably grabs. is, dadgummit. It probably is his. Because that would be the dumbest thing, so... Yeah. You know, this would have been playing on, of course, in the early 70s, audiences... Would have been used to in real life astronauts coming back in the ocean and coming back yeah. landing in the ocean. Very common, obviously. Just a drop in the ocean, as uh, Sean Connery was. Yeah. Saying. I've still yet to. See, we were talking about movies seventy one. I've still yet to see Diamonds Are Forever. It's not good. Um, it's not all that bad either, though. Um, I've seen all the Bond movies now, except for the one that will never come out. Um, <laughs> no time way. to die. Um, and uh, you know, some are good. Summer what do you bad. think about the 70s era for Bond specifically? Uh, I think it's actually not as bad as you would have assumed. I think that Roger Moore actually isn't that bad of a Bond. His movies are just usually not that good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that uh, The Spy Who Loved Me is actually really pretty good. The only reason I would give that movie a little bit of a bump down and give it three stars is just it is very much a You Only Live Twice clone mm -hmm. um, as far as literally what's happening and the climax is like exactly the same. It's just in a little bit of a different locale. Um, but yeah, but I guess I mean, if you like that, though, you would yeah, like oh, that. Yeah, oh, no, I mean, but... and, and other than that, it's actually a pretty good movie, I mean, uh, but and I quite like it. Um, well, see, he was Bond through the early through the 80s. 80s, yeah. yeah. And Timothy um, Dalton had his too, I yeah. guess. So. Yeah, and his are good in the 80s. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, in the 70s, I guess they're whatever. I mean, they're mostly bad, I guess. But, uh, you know, most Bond movies aren't that good. So, so pulling, a, pulling in the spaceship. By the way, if you're like, oh my God, I can't believe you said uh, Bond movies. Like, well, it's true, so <laughs> I could care less. Believe me, I sat through them all. I'm aware they're not, and it's not that much of a chore to sit through them. But when you do them in a marathon, like any individual movie, for the most part, wouldn't be that much of a chore to sit through. But when you do all yeah. of them in succession, it it's just the same gets old. Thing, yeah. yeah, like. Like, that's why I'm going to remember the ones I like and just go back and watch those someday. You know, I mean, I'll probably watch all of them again at some point, but, you know. There's already certain ones I've rewatched, you know, pretty regularly, like the Connery ones and, you know. Yeah, presumably they would, uh, they would assume this is an American spacecraft right. because they would have presumably launched one just a year or so before right. that would have had Taylor and his crew. Yes, right? that's what they're saying. Well, and the Brent crew. Yeah. What a reveal this is for them. Yeah. Can you imagine how shocked you would be? Yeah. Like, you know. They would think, wait, did they go up and turn into monkeys? Like, Yeah. 
And then maybe you would think, wait, is it Soviet? Yeah. And then you would think, no. So this is probably the same daggum beach they shot the first movie Just like a little bit further <laughs> yeah. down. They just like got a yeah. lot of mileage out of this coastline here. Cornelius on the Ronnie end. Mc, yeah, Ronnie McDowell just kind of looking around hmm. like, huh. A little bit of that funk, you know. Yeah, I already kind of like this score. <laughs> uh, just because it's like kind of a combination of the original movie and like more modern like funk and mm-hmm. like typical movie music. Poor like, Salminio didn't get. Yeah, I know. Wasn't third build, they you screwed know. screwed him over all the way around on this one, right? But Natalie Trundy is like, uh, wife of Arthur P. Jacobs, yeah. like, you know. So, uh, we got some apes that stumbled out of this, by the way. Uh, bring the zoo down here again. That's where they're going to go, right? For a while is the zoo yeah, they put them for in. a little while, yeah. M. Emmett Walsh, we mentioned, of course, in this yeah. just a moment ago. Yeah. Um, One of the weirder things about this movie sometimes is, you know, when they have Caesar, it's a literal chimpanzee like it's a real yes, you know chimpanzee right. and it's like seeing them in these suits with a real chimpanzee is kind of takes yeah. you out of it ever so briefly in terms of like oh by the way these are people in suits it's weird because you can't do a makeup job like that on a baby right no yeah, you, that's impossible uh, I mean so it's and it's unethical yeah. I'd say to, other than it being impossible well I'm saying part right. of the impossibility is wrapped up in the ethics of it right just, yeah you know, aren't gonna be able to do that and it's just physically impossible. They wouldn't be still enough long yeah. enough to do it. Like, and, but like I said, above all, it's just not good. But yeah, so it's just kind of a weird, like... I mean, at least they didn't just straight up do the, like, American Sniper baby, you know? Oh, like, gosh, yeah. Um, or even the Mad Men Season 3 Eugene Comes Home baby. Now, Chris Kyle going up against, the, you know, the American Sniper of the Planet of the Apes. Right. That's a, you know, fanfic might be out there. Frank Capra Jr., who, if you may remember, mm-hmm. Lou Bettino, yeah. who taught at UNCW, was personal friend of. Well, I, we Chip Hackler was, a, too. Oh, and he was, too? Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, there you go. Also, you you uh, met Jack Hill that one time. Yeah, Jack Hill. Uh, who came, came to talk. Uh, he was friends of, with Case, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're talking about all these teachers nobody knows, but, but uh, anyway, at UNCW. but Jack Hill is very sweet man who was there he made some movies of the early 70s um most famously coffee and uh, foxy brown right. and uh i remember he talked about growing up love the old warner brothers gangster movies like uh, white heat and i was oh i love white heat and he looked at me isn't it great whatever yeah so he, he was probably happy that somebody yeah. knew what he was talking about I'm sure at this point, uh, you know, Nixon administration would have been in power. They're already dialing up the White House, letting them know, oh, we got some apes, and he's already wondering if it can be in the, you know, uh, uh, the plumbers or, you know, yeah, how they like, can use them. Like, is that, can you bug them? See yeah. <laughs> they got bugs in there? Is that, well, I'm sure they got, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Well, they probably pick them monkeys. off themselves. Yeah, and there's yeah. like, no, no, idiot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a bug, like. Yeah. 
And I think we hinted at this last week or at some point that presumably another reason to do this story the way it is is to save some money too because right. it's all would be contemporary. So really the only eight makeup you got to do is... Uh, <laughs> He's like, yeah. You yeah. have more? Yeah. Like, uh, it's to, for the main characters. You know? Yeah. <laughs> This would be really weird, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like watching apes being able to do all this. So. Although it's known how smart apes are, I guess this makes a way more sense that it will be apes that can do these things than, like, uh, a horse. Mm. <laughs> you know, like... Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is literally that apes have thumbs, so they're able to do things that they other can animals walk, cannot. Uh, yeah, yeah, on two legs. Yeah. They can communicate... In very basic ways. Ain't a he. I think that'd be clear, but... Well, you know. Human see, human do. Animal you know. screeching, calling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Music. I'm gonna get this score on vinyl. <laughs> Even though I don't... I won't ever listen to it because I don't listen to film scores, but... Anyway. But, I mean, this, this is some good music, you know. Yeah. And what I like is that, you know, Goldsmith's music in the original film was very otherworldly and eerie, and this feels very early 70s uh, in a different, very right. different way. But it way, has you the know. same sort of, well, mm-hmm. that... Yeah. That gorilla, it's like a man But it is weird that this is literally like the scenes from the first movie flipped where right. now it's apes behind the cages and humans are on the other side, you know. Mate. It is interesting that they're not immediately trying to talk back in English and, yeah. you know, communicate their, hey, we're apes. We can talk. We can talk. We can talk. We, we can sing, you know. Um, yeah. Going back to some of that class, uh, yeah. class consciousness of the f- second movie. Okay. You can tell somebody in a big gorilla suit, yeah. obviously. That's another thing our contemporary cinema misses is guys in gorilla suits, you know, yeah. wreaking havoc for no reason in random plots, you right. know. He'll bring that back.
Los Angeles Zoo. Oh, but by the way, they're wearing clothing, but, yeah. you know, that wasn't on They took him to the infirmary. Yeah. Because they're like, there's something wrong with him. Like, it ain't right. It ain't from around here. You know what would be funny? They're like, Taylor's twin brother. It's yeah. like Charlton Heston just like happened to be brought back into it. He was like, hell no. Like, <laughs> Pretty looking fox. There. It is. Reminds me of our cat. One of our cats. Okay. The Wisconsin multiphasic. You know, like a bunch of BS to me, but. You see some versions of this, I think, you know, in the uh, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, Rise is essentially a combination of this and Conquest. Yeah. Um, I guess two and three are are basically war stretched out over two movies, yeah. Or battle, you mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because war is the last of those, right? So is this guy was this guy the James Franco of his generation? You know, this would be really shocking to see all this yeah. and just be like, what? Like... <laughs> it's strange that like I don't know where this whole. Almost stereotype star, and I'm sure apes actually do love bananas. But yeah. oh, bananas and apes! It's just like that. <laughs> wow. Naked. What do they think we're this stupid?
know if they waited that long before they said yeah. anything. Oh, what? Uppity, you need to shut up. Yeah, uh, he uh, was basically used in the movie primarily to explain like what happened, and then it's like we don't need you anymore. Like, yeah. R.I.P. Had a good run. He also serves as, yeah, like, autopsy fodder for yeah. them, you know, like. <laughs> like, it is also just like, oh, well, we don't have any relationship with him from the previous movie, so just bump him off and, yeah. Well, they presumably would have, but yeah. not in the eyes of the audience. That's what I mean in yeah. the audience, so. He looks kind of sad. Yeah. Like, Listen, I just want to kill. That's all. <laughs> Utterly yeah. confuses guys. Like what? Like return to monk. Primitive. Do they have a guy representing the President of the United States in this movie? Yeah, he's in it. Yeah. yeah. That's William Wyndham, I think. Right. Yeah. Been a uh, Jack Warden uh, from uh, being there, his character, you know, just mm -hmm. like uh, Jack Warden should have been in these movies. I mean, here he is somewhere. Good 
Everybody's gonna talk about missile gap. Mm-hmm. Well, like, credibility gap was yeah. a huge phrase of the '60s, uh, even in the early '70s, talking about the Pentagon's telling us the war in Vietnam is one thing, and the right. reality is something else. Yeah, that is the one. The one. Yeah. This is a random time to talk about. What do you think in general of like in movies? where they have just a bland, anonymous president of yeah. the time. You know, I think the whole goal is to distract and say, well, this is not, this is fiction, this isn't reality. But so often the presidents are so boring, it is in its own way distracting. <laughs> right. It's like that's yeah. not a person of charisma right. or somebody recognizable even, you know. It's actually yeah. a weird thing that can be distracting, I think. Yeah. But I think something like uh, Seven Days in May with uh, yeah. Frederick March, he's just so great in that performance. Well, and he has and a, that president's more specific. Well, and, and he more has clearly a specifically drawn. ideological charisma yeah. more than even yeah. But I can't express how much I love the ham-fistedness of Nixon being in Days of Future Past yeah. as a character, uh, facing off against mutants in the Oval Office. Something about that I really just love. Uh, and that movie also suggests that maybe Magneto had something to do with the death of JFK as well. He was well, also a mutant. Yeah. Like, what? That's so dumb. Like, I love that movie, but that's stupid. Like, well, specifically the way that's phrased in that movie, it's very ambiguous. Like, he says something like he was a f- one of us or a friend of ours or something like, well, maybe he was going to help the mutants out. <laughs> whatever. However you draw it out is dumb, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, can you imagine, like, Nixon in this movie being confronted with the apes? And, like, you know. I mean, Nixon came to visit the Oval Office. Would have been that much crazier to have, you know, talking apes. John Randolph. Yeah. Your boy. It was Victor from uh, Young and the Restless. Yeah, his senior science advisor. But I always think, too, about Superman 2 has a very bland, whatever, president character in it. Yeah. I think sometimes that's something that, something needs to be done about that in movies. I think that's kind of yeah. distracting in its that's own true. way. Even like Air Force One, which is an action movie, it's like, it's going to Harrison Ford. You know, it's somebody, yeah. oh, that's somebody, and he's the lead, obviously, too. Right. But. You remember all the, the president character in The Dark Knight Rises? No. It was literally like in a scene, basically, yeah. by addressing uh, the nation or whatever. But again, this is very much, you know, it feels like a repeat of from the first movie in right. terms of the trial or the yeah. you know, examination of but Taylor. But What's um, interesting is that, yeah, in this version of it, it's way more, and I think it fits it sort of, is that we see the, we think of apes as an aggressive, primitive ideology of yeah. just being, like yeah. the apes just are animals. But then in this, that the humans are more willing to be like, okay, well, well, let's see what's going on. But then in the end, their true 
Colors. cells yeah. kind of come out in the end. Like, yeah, so it's more calculating yeah. and clever and cunning than that. I love how annoyed they are the whole yeah. time because Taylor in the first movie, you know, he's in the process of regaining his right. voice, and there's like uh, a kind of a anger that he has, and they're just more annoyed than anything. They're like, "Can we just cut to where you guys just accept this already and right. move on?" Like. Bit, yeah. like like my balls Knee are slapper. clapping yeah. you know Knee like slapper. <laughs> so i will be the villain like yeah. <laughs> i got a member of the clergy there too yeah I wish he was credited as your eminence, you know. Yeah. Speak any language other than Even though he was not in the first two films. Uh, right. He's all of a sudden important, you know. Came from your future. 
that is interesting about the relationship between Zira and Cornelius and these that she's always the smarter one, right? And the one, the more uh, progressively one, minded, yeah. yeah right. Love they've said everything else and they can't just be like, oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah. 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 Steven Spielberg. Like. <laughs> just briefly tell this story. Uh, Have we not told that before? I don't think so on here. I think we well, did, maybe, did when we, we watched we did, Jurassic yeah, Park. Maybe That's been did, a long actually. time ago. Uh, that at the very end of Lincoln, when I saw that in 2012, as the movie ends, uh, I saw it in Wilmington, the, the very end, you know, director Steven Spielberg and an audience member just felt the need to just out loud to everybody say, Steven Spielberg, yeah. like the majesty, the pageantry, you know. Oh, that they are the Lewis and Stevie are the Cornelius and Zero of right. the humans. And they too will fall by the wayside. We would never do that. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, uh, I don't think people would have been into that part, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he nuked himself. Yeah. Bill Bonds. 
I'd say this is bigger than the moon landing, but mm-hmm. that's just me, you know. Well, yeah, as far as the implications of it, yeah. Just because humans didn't do anything, so, you know. Yeah. The well-known ape. Yeah. King Kong. A la V. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, um, infinite regression. Was that the state of Hollywood? What are you talking about? Like, Fifth Wasn't the story about talking about Bonds, talking about James Bond, that Ian yeah. Fleming knew a guy named James Bond or something, yeah. and that he thought that was the most boring, anonymous kind of sounding name, right. and that actually now because of James Bond, right. everybody thinks he that wanted to cool. pick the most boring name ever, yeah. yeah, because that's essentially what somebody like that would have a name like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> In their cage, they got yeah. books and. Clothing. Furniture. Oh, we we'll get to look around. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what's funny is like the the past for them, two thousand years is looks in a lot of ways is far more advanced than what their future the future actually is because right. you know, it's all been wiped out by that point. Famous Brown Derby restaurant in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Hello, LA. An ape is dead. Yeah, I mean, from the uh, Adventures of Ford Fairlane trailer, by the way. Starring the incomparable Andrew Dice Clay. 
I mean, yeah, he is incomparable. Well-known ape. <laughs> okay. All right. They didn't try again or something. No. Ha 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 ha, we are in prison. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> the 70s. Yeah. Like. America. <laughs> <laughs> what a land it was, you know. Seeing the sights. Look like I said Jack Lemon, but I know yeah. didn't. <laughs> Jack Lemon should have played himself meeting the apes in this, you know. Now, didn't um, some people say that uh, in the original Pierre Boulet novel that that future is apes in suits and driving cars and yeah. it's like more right. you know them it's yeah. just you know roll straight role reversal as opposed to a right. wholly separate society I guess yeah which so that, some elements of that will pop up at the very end of the Tim Burton remake but yeah zero forthcoming flower child question mark <laughs> this shot like what yeah. is going on <laughs> you can get a little straighter than that the camera movement is i guess right before the steady cam so <laughs> First she's gonna be offended, but then she's like, "Well, that's the reality they live in. It's a different. It's a different time back then, you know. That must have been what they thought the whole time. Being like, it's a different time that we're now in." <laughs> what the like they're getting to use it yeah. and they're not even doing it yeah you imagine if this happened yeah it would literally be like this where that is literally all that is on TV yeah like look at his feet mm -hmm. <laughs> like hands yeah. but like Oh my god. 
So he's got this brand new invention called television. He's like, yeah, enough of that crap. Now that pajamas is what yeah. we need to get, you know, that robe. In the event you're not watching this along with us, please look up, like, probably, let's see if we can Google it, like, Cornelius Robe Escape from the Planet of the yeah. Apes. It may or may not come up, just depending on check and see if it does. how stupid a lot of the internet is that they don't put the right things on there, you know? Yeah, no, there it is. is. Looks like a promotional photograph. Yeah, that one there's is. some other ones too. Yeah. <laughs> Future Twitter pic, yeah. maybe. I mean, so she just fits right into the women's movement, I guess. Even though she's literally, well, she is a female, but she's yeah. not literally a woman. But you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's only been in recent years where I've really grappled with and come to terms with how downright violent boxing is yeah. as a sport. I mean, um, it's something I still actually am entertained by to see here and there, but it's literally people wailing on and hitting each other in the faces, head, and body, you know. And Cornelius even susses that out pretty quickly. Now, it's interesting that they're the intellectuals, so they're in this all that a lot of this stuff. They should have had a gorilla come along with them, too, and he's, like, down there by the pier, like, shooting dice, like, yeah, you know, right. getting in fights, like. <laughs> that little slide he did on the floor. Yeah. With his shoes. Shan't leave. <laughs> Wine, I guess. Yeah. Come out. So you know, now we have Disney Plus, but back in the seventies, yeah. they had Grape Juice Plus. Right. You know? New invention. Zero mm -hmm. day drinking while pregnant. Yeah. No wonder Caesar ended up being, you know, yeah. hyper violent revolutionary. <laughs> wow so I, hopefully it'll fail yeah. like you know well wow. back then that was probably not even I guess I don't even know but the literature was out about drinking as much while pregnant back then yeah but.
So he just happens to have yeah. a cigarette case that's also a tape well, recorder. I mean, he works for the government. Huh? She's going to, I guess, open up and talk a little more because she's drinking. Getting loose. Well, I don't have to immediately worry about it. Mm -hmm. It's more bugging in the Oval Office, you know. It's interesting that even the president is like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Herod became unpopular, like, yeah. So, no, nah, we're going to run them in the midterms of 74, yeah. you know. <laughs> Thank you. 
Because I'm German. <laughs> the secret German history. of eight whoops no you see we need to spin off commission of the planet of the apes yeah Andy Hardy goes to the planet of the apes Apenauts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what else would you call them, though, you know? Here's my interrogation. <laughs> Camp 11. In a weird way, the whole ape just ape must not was well, ape must not kill ape or yeah. whatever is actually in some ways feels like a uh, way to pacify their populace into never going against what their class structure is to never waver right. from that. That oh well, you're a chimpanzee, so you only exist at this point in society, right. or you're a yeah. orangutan, you exist here, you know. So right. for all its pacifism, it actually. Uh, 
is literally pacifying the public in its own way to never really truly breaking out of that order. This is a, here explaining things that are going to be important for the next movie. That like there was a plague that killed pets, yeah, like dogs and cats. So then the people took the apes. <laughs> One of the more as, absurd aspects I think of right, the next movie. Yeah, the people took apes as like servants and slaves and pets. Mm-hmm. Or if it was COVID nineteen, it's on the scene as yeah. you know, dirty little virus told us. By the great Iggy Pop. Look that up if you haven't heard it. Well trained ape. Like, yeah. How stupid question is that? When somebody goes through your old tweets yeah. and confronts you about it. <laughs> Had the loop ready, you know. Not please do. Yeah. <laughs> Zero, I 
If only you knew what they were going to do. Yeah. And I, I do think what happens to Cornelius and Zira in these movies is probably objectively the saddest, most tragic arc you see of any of the characters in oh, this, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, because they, you know, for all the their suspicions of humanity in a lot of ways have some semblance of trust or respect in humanity that ultimately goes unfulfilled, right. you know. yeah. And that humanity proves them wrong, sadly. Yeah. He's like, oh no, we thought too much of them. Like, yeah. And that the zealotry of the apes was in many ways confirmed. The apes of the original, you know, first two movies, the other ones. Get a little bit of a flashback, yeah. yeah. The old rodeo days. Wait, really? It's when they cut out his brain, those bloody baboons. Yeah.
There he is. Mm -hmm. A dirt nap. <laughs> Your eminence. Your eminent SOB. Yeah. The well known SOB. The funniest thing is that in the second movie, it's in 1991, so it's a lot quicker than what actually happened. But yeah, yeah, or what they say is going to happen. Wasn't um, Roe versus Wade in 1973? Could be. Yeah, which is in its own ways abortion, which is interesting yeah, that that's, right. you know, that was a topic I know of the day, obviously. That was a real, did you sell crank to my pregnant ex-wife moment? <laughs> like, All the sons, sons of anarchy. Sons of anarchy tradition, yeah. Which was in the first episode of the show. Yeah, Ron Perlman easily right. could have. Uh, you can see him in ape makeup oh, and being yeah. a ape. He basically looks like that yeah. as Hellboy, anyway. Yeah. And just in general. I'm fireproof. You're not, as he said. You Hellboy. Want the baby. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like uh, Tom Waits. Yeah. That maybe like taller, bigger. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but the hair and the. Yeah. yeah. Dirt. Chow time.
Back with the, you know, the score from the time. first movie. Yeah. With a little bit of, yeah, modern day funk. <laughs> yeah, I get the pocketbook, you know. Well, that's the end of that guy. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah, I would say I feel bad, but I don't, so. Good thing he didn't ask if they're from Monkey Planet, because yeah, I'd get him sooner. Wow. I'm gonna ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> come, come. <laughs> <laughs> Car waiting. Right. <laughs> Front door open. I well, said goodnight. I was like, goodnight, Charlie. Like, I'll get somebody else to do it for me. Mm -hmm. That is the most human thing ever. Yeah. It shouldn't be, instead of, rather than, you know, uh, that idea of why do something today you could put off till tomorrow why do something you could put off on somebody else yeah you know sideways apes on the run monkey madness Poison moss to kill us all. 
you know, like, why would they react so much to that? Like, well, you're basically being imprisoned and tortured, like. Taking a bit of a leap there, but yeah. you know. Chase is on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the unrelenting chase. Like. Very 70s on the chase, on the run score yeah. here. Now, wait. Dad, they just 
Here's our boy. Yeah. Maltabon. <laughs> He's oh yeah, I love being, you know, uh, uh, uh Ips on the run, like Yeah. Until that's a human in a right. ape outfit holding a chimpanzee there. <laughs> just this image, you know, just yeah. Got no epidural, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I said, it's just like a real chimpanzee. Yeah. So his real name actually is Milo yeah. Caesar. So. Named after Salminio. <laughs> Apes smoke, or the gorillas smoke, yeah. though, in the first movie. There they go again. Mm -hmm. Free ride. Pay ride. She's got a Sally ticket ride. to ride. be an eight flu going on. Simeon flu of the later films. Mm-hmm. 
the reboots. Oh, that yeah, that is what they call that, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I love how he's not at all questioned any yeah. of this. He's, oh, yeah, cool. Talking yeah. apes, that's fine fine by me. It's like what? <laughs> it's funny that a real ape is like yeah, <laughs> a chimp, is, yeah. if you will. Chimp, not simp. Chimp would be a cute animal to have, but obviously they can oh, be yeah. violent after a certain yeah. point. So you've heard all the stories about all the apes that have ripped people's faces off yeah. and stuff. So <laughs> So that young already got a beard, you know? Yeah. He wants a new truck. <laughs> well, it does what it should. It's what I, you know, the, uh, want a new drug by Huey Lewis in the news. I always thought that was, I want a new truck yeah. for a long time. And I was always confused, like, what? Yeah. Like, if only. A derelict tanker. If mm -hmm. Yeah.
Wow. It was dark stuff. Yeah. It's going to get darker, so. For the kitties out there, you know. Ape with a gun. <laughs> in the last yeah. unless he's got like some torrid deleted scenes we didn't see you know yeah. so like, as Meatloaf once said you were the first you'll be the last <laughs> <laughs> wherever you go I'll be with you it's not really good the great meat meatloaf impression but it was what i wanted you know mm-hmm. it's how i interpreted tapes it. oh yeah tapes that was that on youtube uh yeah uh, him talking about some random watergate documentary or yeah. something yeah look that up in fact i've got the video here i'll just play it on yeah there. do it let me find it Almost every conversation Nixon had in the Oval Office. Like any good prosecutor would have, Cox demanded his team be permitted to listen to these tapes to see if there was any evidence of wrongdoing. But Nixon refused. And what happened next was a knockdown, bare knuckle battle between Nixon and the Justice Department. A battle that would shake the very foundation of our democracy. <laughs> I so love, by go. the way, um, in that video, if you see it, He's like, looks like he's before like a sound editing machine. Like he's going to drop a mixtape or something about yeah. like Watergate. It's just like, okay. You know what I love most about that is that we just played it on the escape. Yeah. From, <laughs> of, of escape from the Planet of the Apes commentary, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, it's of the era in terms yeah. of the 70s, you know, so. How much time has the got? So he's the guy who cares just more than everybody else, like, you know? So that situation a while ago where the cop showed up was a real five one five oh somebody called a po po kind of situation, you know. <laughs> Glad you brought I had to bring that up too. <laughs> Glad y'all are getting to hear all my uh song my songs, you know? Yeah. This is his story, this is his song, yeah. <laughs> It's like, shut up, youngin'. Don't you know we're on the run? Leaving behind the ways of the old world. For them, the new world. The same as the old world, you know? So I feel like there's a modern lover's analogy to be made here about the comparisons of old world and new world, the yeah. songs, you know? Yeah. 
you know, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, Jonathan Richmond as an ape in these, this area, you know. Now we got actual real problems to deal with. That we continue to cause. Yeah. <laughs> Brains. Yeah, I'm sitting on a bunch of ice waiting to get jumped, if that's what you mean, brains. GTA 4, by the way, for those of you. Yeah, well, I, score if you home. didn't know, you, you're wrong and you should have known. <laughs> He's like, what? Like, what do you mean, what? Like, yeah, they kinda, found the suitcase. Yeah. Like, Dummy. I don't understand why she couldn't have just had uh, Cornelius carry it. You know, yeah, he wasn't really carrying very no. much, I don't think, was he? No. She's carrying the baby, so just give it to him. and he, but Whatever. You know, we can't relitigate the moment, you know. Nope. Clearly not. Real walking amongst the wreckage of the old world mm -hmm. vibes here. Soon to be old world. Mm -hmm. Soon to be out world. Soon to be New Jack City world. Soon to be Denny World. <laughs> you said Disney World, but it almost yeah. sounded like Denny, like Denny O'Neill World. Or like, like Denny's. Yeah. He has a gun. Uh -oh. He's not afraid to use it. In the words of Jeff Daniels, I've got a gun! <laughs> <laughs> Was that him in Gettysburg? Like, no. And <laughs> my favorite like Martian, yelling at the like, Confederates. Yeah, I've got a gun. Like, okay. Like, I think everybody does. I would, yeah. I would hope, but. <laughs> just running around. So, you know? Just kind of jogging, you know. Yeah. Just getting some laps in before he dies, you know. Give me no trash. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> this is all from my favorite Martian, by the way. <laughs> Y'all are wondering out there. <laughs> Thought I told you to shut up. That's, that sounds like humanity yeah. in general, though. Yeah. yeah. Little whiskers. Yeah. Um... Look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Looks like it'd easily be from like Dirty Harry or yeah, something. Yeah, but I mean, same year. Yeah. 
Same lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When your lifestyle determines your death style. Yeah. I forget that song was in the premiere of Smallville season three when he's like under the influence of Red Kryptonite. He's like Robin Banks. What? To that song, yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Red Kryptonite took his powers away. No, well, it depends on what continuity you're oh, talking about. Okay. Because the continuity of Smallville was it turns him evil or bad or whatever. Oh. And then Yellow Kryptonite gives him his power back because that's yeah. why the sun gives him the power yeah. to do all he does. Green is always just consistently like weakens or death powers, yeah, or eventual death, yeah. yeah. I should have went and you know got some you know this movie could have it could have went got stupid actually if it yeah. did this but like had some hippies they give some oh Roman hippies God. and like the yeah. hippies help them out like that would have been too uh, on the nose that would have just dated the movie yeah. immediately like That's some true. people would already say this movie's dated which it is I guess but not really though I mean it is what it is like you know. I guess it's the 50th anniversary of this movie this year, actually. Yeah. Happy birthday. Where's the food? Yeah. <laughs> Just came out in May, I believe, so. So we failed. Yep, May. When that, when the first of the remakes come out? Uh, well. It'd be the year? Well, uh, I guess I'm thinking about both of the... Tim Burton one and the uh well 2001 and then uh 2011 so 10 years apart. July 27th that's not too long from now. We won't It'll get be the there anniversary. In time, yeah, but, no, yeah. But well no. And then Rise was was that 2011 2012? Uh yeah. That's what I was saying, 2011. Oh, yeah, okay. And then uh, Dawn was uh, 2014, and then War was 2017. In Rise, I forgot that James Franco's name in that is Will Rodman. <laughs> Rodman? Yeah. Well, we'll talk all about that later on. So. Yeah. You. In your care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing because what's about to happen uh, is very unfunny. But just the like, oh, I'll just run away. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, not gonna work out. It it's not going to be a workout kind of situation. No. You know? <laughs> Ten years removed from that song. Yeah. Any thoughts? Uh, still not good. I don't know. Yeah, I think. I that mean, was. funny though, but you know. That's the well-known ape. Uh, 
flipping his lead. Yeah, that whole era of helicopters, I can't help but think of, you know, Batman right. 66 yeah. movie. Almost look like these floating bubbles, you know, the bubbles yeah. in front of them. People see it. Piles of them. Car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a jump cut there. Yeah. Know. Is that what you would call that? Yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah. Oh, yeah. my. Yeah. I didn't go to film school. So. Yeah, basically, what yeah. Or you basically just excise a series of frames yeah. and Wow. Really no qualms about straight up shooting what he thinks is a child. Oh, what a shame. What a weird death that was. Yeah. Rest in peace to Cornelius. His body yeah. down there is like <laughs> dead. What have they become? Humans, that helicopter, is. you can tell. Yeah. Well, then, in its own way, a downer ending, you know. Yeah. Seemingly. Well, it still is, I think. But, yeah. yeah. It is interesting that they got, you know, they got, uh, got Milo to a circus, which is itself seen as this kind of uh, lurid, unimportant entertainment that is yeah. itself masking a great... Uh, unspoken intelligence about itself <gasps> so even in its own way this kind of does have a shocking ending as, yeah. I suppose not nearly as explicitly as the other films but even so and it's goofy but I find it sort of you know just because it's just you know but it's uh always very like 
um, kind of caught me at just in this, I don't know how to say it, just uh, caught me in a sort of silence of just like very somber, although it's yeah. hopeful, but it's just very like affecting, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, of course she made the uh, decision to trade the apes for the ape baby for the other ape baby. Yeah. Um, Which means there's still that one that died, but yeah, you know, but apes can survive. Yep. So more sequels. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, anything else to say about this? No, one? No, I think it's really pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's not great. There's good few things about it. Um, but I think it's probably the third best out of the group of these because Conquest is in memory. I'll be interested. I've only seen Conquest once, so that'll be kind of a new experience. But uh, yeah, see that again. Yeah, I would. Anyway. In my memory, I would also put that second and this third. Yeah. Um, but even so, uh, again, as we said earlier, I think the decision to kind of take this to another era and a new little frontier of sorts was the right one to make. You yeah. Know? I think what works so much about Conquest, which I, I guess we're going to preview briefly yeah. now, yeah, yeah. is going to be next week, of course. From 1972, only a year um, later. Is that what I remember about that movie most is this sense of, uh, release in the, uh, the eight kind of uprising and violence against the humans there's a sort of uh strange like i said kind of release in that that i feel like has really been building the whole franchise and that we only really get especially after the events of this movie and the events of the next one that to finally see that is a sort of uh you know, because it should be said, a transition that. takes place between two and three of yeah. our main characters being humans to apes. Right. And I think naturally our rooting interest also changes with that too. Right. Um, because I think, the, at least for me, the first and second one, you're in Heston's corner and in Franciscus's corners because obviously they look like yeah. us. They're in a strange foreign place. And that that, uh, that changes with Zira and Cornelius in this adopting that role, and then next with Caesar in the next yeah. you know, movie. But I feel like also Beneath was prepping us for that, too, because of the mutant right. humans and their love of destruction, ultimately. Yeah. And that, their otherworldliness. Right. Even and that humanity. it was kind of prepping us for that. That's kind of really the ultimate war. I mean, it literally is because it's the end of humanity, yeah. but really the, like, everybody's evil basically yeah. or, or you know or you can understand everybody in the same sense sure. too so because it's all kind of a level playing field um but yeah like you said with these it kind of switches the perspective to the apes and totally changes our rooting interest which i mean that's what i think so great about these movies in general that what we'll say in the end is they're not always the best movies but just the uh, ingenuity the continued ingenuity just when you thought you couldn't do any more right like because like i said even with this one uh, you can do more, but it's like, oh, okay, it could just be seen as, okay, well, he survived and destiny right. know, delivered itself out. But even the ending of this before that where they die yeah. is a sort of, oh, well, what will happen now? You know, and then it quickly changes that. Um, but, the, yeah, I think Conquest. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, just in memory, that, that again, that was my second favorite Um and that it gets even more outright aggressive and I think specifically articulating the apes' grievances with the humans and like yeah. what makes them want to uprise and challenge the status quo, which at that time in 1972, I think for a lot of Americans, w- w- 
aspects of that would resemble the Black Power Movement and the right. Black Panther yeah. Party by the early 70s as an analog of sorts for some of that stuff. But yeah. um, maybe we'll walk through and talk about some of that right. next week. Um, so, again, next week, 1972's Conquest of Planet of the Apes will be hidden. This is Kyle. This is Levi. Take care. God bless.